We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helton. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Monday, September 18th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fanball. And with me today is my colleague Derek Van Riper, who's here with me every Monday morning. We're going to wrap up most of week two. Um, I guess we got a plan for Kareem Hunt's Hall of Fame induction, Derek. Is that right? Yeah, you know, it's a shame he didn't run a faster 40 time because that, that deterred some people from getting excited about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Le'Veon Bell had the same problem. You know, we said it before, he's not necessarily laving on Bell, but he's in a great situation, clearly has the skills to be a lead back in a league where lead backs are increasingly difficult to come by. I mean, this has been this has been a strange two weeks in the league. I know there was plenty of offense yesterday. Week two was much more normal from an overall production standpoint than week one. But I'm looking at a lot of matchups across most of my leagues. And seeing really lopsided scores and some surprisingly low totals from a good number of teams. Right. I, I agree. Um, Kareem Hunt, by the way, everybody, um, like you said, skills to be a lead back, 216 pounds, fast enough, like you said. Yesterday, um, Kareem Hunt went 13 for 81, two touchdowns on the ground, three for 28 through the air. Uh, he has been, he, he, if you redrafted right now, is he a top five? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think he would be because with Beckham, we're still not sure about the, the health of his ankle, even though he could play on Monday night here in week two. Antonio Brown would still be up there. Uh, Zeke would I'd probably still fall because of the pending legal situation and, and what you know, we'll talk about happened to him in a little while. I, I could see Kareem Hunt going top five because there were NFFC drafts that drafted after the week one Thursday game where you could bank his stats from week one and he was going top three in those. So now that you get two games that you've seen him, I think I could see people pushing him up there. All right, everybody, we need to thank Fanball for sponsoring the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Check them out now, fanball.com. Derek, did you win at Fanball DFS yesterday? You know, I did. I, I joined a free roll. There's a chase to charge free roll contest they've done these first two weeks, and I did surprisingly well. I had a top 10 finish in like a 1,300-person free roll. So my Fanball number might be going up this week, John. Nice. We're going to talk about the fanball number in a minute, everybody. So that's that's good news. See, you can win if you want to play fanball. That's that's the way to go. Everybody, check us out on Twitter. Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at Halpin 37 You can also tweet us at Rotowire. Get player updates at Rotowire NFL. Hey, so who scored three touchdowns? Someone scored three touchdowns yesterday, and it's slipping my mind. Three touchdowns yesterday. Yes. Uh, CJ Anderson. Anderson was a beast yesterday. Yeah, he looked really. I mean, he looked he looked good in week one, also. But he looked ridiculous he yesterday. Did. Yeah. But someone on the Rotowire NFL account, I guess it was Tim, used, used the word thrice to describe three touchdowns. So I was going to bring that up on Twitter later. Was that was definitely Heaney. Had to be, had, right? Had, had to be Heaney. Couldn't, yeah. Could not have been anyone else that would use thrice in a tweet. Yeah. We're gonna, we're, I'm going to get on his case a little bit about that. All right, everybody. Let's get it. We're going to go through a little game by game, some games more than others. Um, let's start with Bears-Bucks. This one was, was a route. There was, you know, Jacquez Rogers was busy, as we thought. Uh, the bear, the Bears back. Jordan Howard, you worried if you own Jordan Howard? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm worried because this was not at all a script that I thought we'd see from the Bears. I, di- I didn't think they'd get blown out by anybody really this year, and especially a team like Tampa Bay. I know some people like Tampa Bay as a sleeper to make a make a run. I think even some people had them going to the Super Bowl. Uh, I don't see them being quite at that level yet, but, you know, give yourself a pat on the back if you really like Tampa Bay because they, uh, they got up to a nice start. I think the problem with, with Jordan Howard is going to be Tariq Cohen in obvious passing situations. I mean, I'm not worried about the nine to seven split in the carries. That was just game flow and the Bears being down 26 nothing at halftime. I'm concerned by Tariq Cohen getting nine targets and catching eight passes and Jordan Howard getting one target and yep. not catching it like that. That's where I think the the amount of value I had projected for Jordan Howard going into the season has taken a hit. I did not expect Tariq Cohen to be this much of a factor through these first two games. Uh, so I think you scale back the expectations in terms of uh, catches for Howard. Maybe he's a 20 to 25 catch guy as opposed to 40 plus. Maybe it's even less than that. I mean, that's that's in the range of possibilities, but. Skills-wise, man, I, I am very surprised this happened. They're back home in week three against the Steelers, and they're on the road against the Packers in week four. So a couple spots where the Bears, if they are making mistakes, they could pay for it dearly against two very high-powered offenses. Right, Tariq Cohen, 16 catches in his first two games. I and mean, that's pretty that, – I, I, who on earth saw anything like that coming? Um the other one I want to ask about in the Bears, and I know, you know, this is the, the, the game flow matters. Kendall Wright, seven for 69. I think before week one, a lot of us thought Kendall Wright would be the PPR target. And, and week one, it didn't work. 
And these people kind of went, oh, you know, sometimes we do that. One week we go, oh, forget that. And uh, seven for 69. Is he, is he startable in PPR at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think he's basically your your fourth receiver in a full PPR league. There, There's uh, at least one NFFC league. It's the one where it's the beat DVR league. It's only a 12-teamer, but you start three receivers and lost Allen Robinson already. Right. I would be thrilled to have Kendall Wright right now to, just to plug in as a, a Band-Aid, a guy that might go five for 60 more often than not. But I'll, t- I'll take 11 points for my third receiver if, I, if I've lost somebody already or when the bye weeks come up and – you know, target distribution, 10 to Wright, 9 to Cohen, 9 to Miller. It's 28 of the 45 targets went to one of those three guys. Uh, Deontay Thompson had that late TD. You know, I don't know if there's a lot of value with him or Tanner Gentry right now. So, yeah, I think Wright's the guy that has the best rapport with Glennon. Maybe the concern would be if they make a change, does Wright have that same rapport with Mitchell Trubisky right from the jump? But, yeah, he's, he's like a solid fourth option in a full PPR league. When you do that stuff, like let, let's say Trubisky, let's say they make the switch to Trubisky in a few weeks because they're not good and why the heck not. Do you buy into that whole, hey, let me look for the second string receiver who might be have the rapport with him from practice? I do, I do to an extent. I mean, I, I think in a situation like Chicago, I would because it's a wide open depth chart anyway. So they may want to elevate somebody you know, like, a, like a Thompson or like a Tanner Gentry into a more prominent role because there's so little that separates some of those second-string players from the starters right. in some situations. And the Bears have exactly that type of configuration right now at that group of pass catchers. All right, let's go to Bears-Bucks. Um, sorry, not Bears-Bucks, Panthers-Bills. Oh, my goodness, there's nothing to talk about here. Um, LaShawn McCoy had a terrible day, which it, the, the matchup, I mean, PPR, he saved you by getting some catches late. He had six catches for 34. Um, it, it offensively, this was just this game stunk for everyone involved. Tyrod Taylor got some on the ground, which was okay. Um, the Greg Olson injury is the big deal news here. He broke his foot. We're looking at half the season. He's going to miss, um, you know, Jake and I are going to talk about free agent targets on the Tuesday podcast. Um, would you, would you be looking at Ed Dixon right now? It had to be a two tight end league, yeah. I think. I mean, I, th- I think what they're going to have to do is find more ways to get Christian McCaffrey involved. Like that, there's there's your solution: the short and intermediate passing game. Uh, maybe you have some screens and some stuff designed for Curtis Samuel as well. But if you're kind of redistributing the the targets you would normally give to Olson, I would hope that like forty to fifty percent of those can go to Christian McCaffrey. Right. Um, yeah, I, I hope so. He couldn't run yesterday. None of them could. So it was just, uh, I don't know. It was, an, it was an ugly offensive game. Let's put it that way. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Cam, yeah, I know you and I talked before, and I watched this whole game. Cam was inaccurate again. I mean, he, he didn't have any help, and he was, under, he, he was just getting chased all day. But he, another one, he missed a couple of wide-open guys. He actually missed McCaffrey at the goal line. He was on the run. I mean, the guy was, he was wide open. He just threw it over his head. Mm. And I, I don't know. It's... It, it, I don't want to say something's not right. The problem with Cam is I, I'm not a Cam hater. I think Cam's really good. Um, his, but accuracy has never been his strong suit. And right now, I don't know if the shoulders, the injury, and the, the lack of reps in, in training camp is exacerbating that issue. But it's just, you know, he, he's missing easy ones. It's, it's no fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the byproduct of coming off shoulder surgery. Like, the arm seems to be strong. We saw that last week, too. I think he overshot Dixon in the end zone in the opener but the touch 
which already, as you said, is not great. It's it's one of the you know, lesser attributes of Cam Newton's skill set. That's going to take some time to get back to a previous level when you consider the amount of time he missed over the course of the summer. So that he's off to a slow start is you know, not a big surprise, but the Panthers are 2-0 anyway. And if they can figure out their protection issues and not have Cam getting sacked six times a game, you know, things will undoubtedly get better. But I am curious to see just how much the absence of Greg Olson impacts the offense initially because he's a constant for them. I mean, right. He's just about as steady as a player you're going to find at a position that is often very ravaged by injuries league wide. And we saw that in week two. Um, you know what the tonic is for offensive struggles? The Saints. Yes. So that helps. Here they come in week three. <laughs> well, the the cam DFS shares are going to be very, very heavily coveted. Yes. Um, Browns Ravens. Uh, not a close game. Deshaun Kaiser left for a while with a migraine, came back. Uh, Buck Allen is the guy we need to talk about here because he was the busiest back in the Ravens' backfield in a game that they were winning. People thought, you know, it would be Terrence West early downs, Buck Allen uh, later. And uh, here we go. And Buck Allen, let's see, 14 for 66 on the ground and 5 for 35 with a touchdown through the air. He is going to be a very popular man this week in the leagues where he wasn't picked up last week. Yeah, I mean, probably like eight and ten team leagues, especially uh, those would be the spots where some team probably didn't take the flyer, if anywhere. I mean, if there's 12 and 14 team leagues where he's out there, the fab piggy banks are going to get crushed as uh, people try to scramble to get him. Terrence West, it's weird because I don't think there's a lot that separates those two as players. Clearly, the Ravens see something. I know they've got a little more invested in in Buck Allen as a a mid-round draft pick or late-round draft pick a few years back. Uh, the pass catching opportunities, the carries, you know, even last week, the carry volume favored Allen. We thought maybe that was because they were protecting a big lead. Clearly, things have shifted in some way on that depth chart. I mean, Alex Collins got seven carries for 42 yards, too. That was kind of a surprise when mm-hmm. you look at the way the total workload was distributed. And then you look at the Ravens, their passing game. It's pretty much Watson, Buck Allen and Macklin on, <laughs> on, on the game script yesterday. The tight ends are, are a mess behind Watson, but it's, it's amazing that he's been able to come back from his injury and, and play at that level. It's not totally unlike Dennis Pitta just surprising us last year with his role. We know the Ravens love to run to the tight end, but Mike Wallace has had two just brutal games to start the year. And I know with Flacco missing all of the preseason, you know, the downfield passing game is probably the last thing that might come back. But if you're a Mike Wallace owner, He's really hard to have in your starting lineup right now. Absolutely. Um, Buck Allen, by the way, 16% ownership on Yahoo still. So you're, wow. you're, uh, you're doing okay. You, you can still go get him, everybody, and you're going to want to. Outsnapped West, 43-16, to 16, by the way. Um, Cardinals, Colts. Man, you know what? I picked the Colts, and I thought they were going to make me look smart. And they just threw it away. Oh, that was terrible. Um, all right, the backfield for the Cardinals, the Kern-Williams experiment did not work out for anybody. Chris Johnson. Chris Johnson, he is just, anytime anyone picks an Arizona running back, they get hurt by Chris Johnson. He just always gets in the way. Whether it was David Johnson a couple of years ago, or Kern-Williams, or Andre Ellington, or whoever, Chris Johnson's always like, hey, by the way, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to screw your guy right here. Well... At least he was good once. Like, he was actually great at one point. Yeah. So he's not just 
a thorn in the side of fantasy owners who's done nothing else. I mean, he was amazing for several years, but that was a situation I barely bid on Kerwin Williams, which should have been a spot where you, you, could, you could, at least for one week, you pick him up, pay 12, 15% of your budget, stream him against the Colts and get something back. But I, I'm worried about the Cardinals. They had some offensive line injuries coming into this game. J.J. Nelson went off, so yeah. I guess that's a, that's a positive. But do you feel good if you've got shares of, of Fitzgerald or Carson Palmer in a deep league or a super flex two-quarterback type league? Do you feel good about anything right now with the Cardinals? No, because the Colts' defense was just beat up, and they're not good to begin with. And you thought yesterday was the, you know, thank goodness they had this soft landing spot after David Johnson's injury. Um, and, I mean, yesterday in DFS – Fitz was one of the most obvious cash plays on the board. And be, I mean, you looked and you said, you know, what else are they going to do? You know, they're going to have to throw underneath to him. And they just didn't. And, you know, J.J. Nelson, like you said, but, you know, they, they didn't score much. They didn't move the ball. And if they can't do it against the Colts, what, what, what's, I mean, where can they do it, right? Yeah. So, well, I, I, was on, I was on Fitz. I, I, had him, I actually had him in that, that fan ball chase charge thing. And he's the reason, essentially, why I didn't win. The Seattle defense and Fitz were the two things that let me down in my lineup. The two things that I probably had the least amount of concern about going in are the reason why I didn't just take down that whole thing. Right. Um, the other guy I wanted to talk about who's back with Jacoby Brissett, who was not terrible. Um, he was better than Scott Tolzien, certainly. Um, Jack Doyle was, was solid enough. Jack Doyle, 8 for 79. And you got to think that Brissett's going to use him a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think Doyle is much less dependent upon Andrew Luck to be steady than anybody else. But I think the the Colts offense, T.Y. Hilton's at least getting a bump because Brissett can throw the ball downfield. Compared to Tolzien, it's an upgrade for Hilton, too. I'm still looking at Hilton, though, and, and Dante Moncrief, and I'm, I'm so happy I don't have any exposure to them in my season-long leagues. I, I just I couldn't do it with the uncertainty with luck. Right. Uh, that Hilton just, as good as he is, so much of what he does is on big plays, and I just didn't see his path for him to really make a lot of big plays. This was a pretty tough matchup, although Hilton's one of those players that if you match him up against Patrick Peterson, Peterson's big and physical, and Hilton's just quick and small like that's a tough matchup for some of those big physical shutdown corners right i don't know man i I just i'm i'm not even trying to buy low on hilton right now because i don't feel like andrew luck's even close to returning and i have a little bit of hilton and i'm a little annoyed about it i gotta say i think i benched him yesterday in one of the leagues that i have him um so is doyle right now i think doyle's after what i saw yesterday i want to overreact on one game but i'm i'm I think Doyle's probably a top 10 tight end moving forward. You agree? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's he's right around that range kind of coming into the season. And we have a bunch of injuries now at tight end. Right. So that, 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 that'll push him. If he's not top 10, he's very close. He's top 12 at least. He's probably going to see a little surge in ownership. And uh, rightfully so, because the, the Colts offense seems to be in slightly better hands now. And, you know, eventually Andrew Luck at some point will come back and that will help Jack Doyle and the offense as a whole even more. Um, 64% ownership for Doyle, by the way. Hey, did, did you know, uh, I think we've got, I don't know if you hear it. I think Sirius XM Latino is an unofficial sponsor of today's podcast. I can't hear it coming through at all. You can't? 
So no. everybody, as I've, I've mentioned probably too many times, there's a house being built next to me, literally right next to me. I'm sitting, I have my office and the house is in front of the house and the house is being built right next to it. They started building Friday. There, there are vans, there are, there's music blaring. It's just, it's going to be quite entertaining. And this, the, the good thing is they'll be done by December. So it'll go through the entire football season. Oh yeah, the, well, consistency's good. There's a there's a cornfield being turned into a subdivision at the end of my street. Like nice. The apartment I live in is pretty pretty nice and isolated, the back corner of a neighborhood. But the neighborhood's about to get bigger, and every morning, about five thirty or so, the con- the construction trucks start rolling down the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something I did not know when I signed the lease. I like I like the place I live. It's not it's not unbearable. But it's one of those perks that you didn't expect to have. You exactly. Know, like, oh, this is here and this is going to take a while because that's a big cornfield and that's a lot of equipment. So, mm-hmm. yeah, construction's uh, is pretty bad. But, you know, the, the one place that you don't really realize is, is under constant construction until you go there. Like as someone who didn't grow up in, in New York, like when you are in midtown Manhattan, even walking around. Yeah. Everything is under constant construction. Everything. Everything. It's the only part of New York I've really ever been to. But when you watch any TV show set in New York, the amount of scaffolding magically disappears. It is just nowhere to be seen on most shows. When you go there, you're like, oh, holy crap, this city's old and big and stuff's breaking and falling apart all the time. So it's constantly being repaired. That would drive me crazy. Yeah. Because I stayed at a hotel where they were they were doing something to the street. They had jackhammers out. <laughs> and that was starting up at like 6 a.m. <laughs> on a Saturday, no less. And I was like, wow, this is this is every day around this area for people like this is always going to be happening because it's so heavily used. It's constantly broken. And you learned you learn to sleep through it when you live there. The constant noise, right? Yes. I mean, and, and the traffic, too, like depending on where you live, there's going to be constant traffic and ambulances going by all day long and stuff yep. like that. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's background noise eventually. It, it really is. You know, garbage trucks going in reverse and beeping at three 30 in the morning, stuff like that. It's just, you just learn, you just get used to it. Yeah, by the way, you, you, New York pet peeve. I grew up there, as you know, um, TV pet peeve. Are you a Seinfeld fan? Yeah. Okay. My biggest pet peeve about Seinfeld, because you talked about the scaffolding, and I thought about when I lived there, sometimes the scaffolding is good when you need shelter from rain and things like that. You're like, oh, where's some scaffolding that I can walk under across the street? But at Seinfeld, Jerry would go, if he'd go on a date, let's say, he'd go drive to the woman's apartment and pick her up. Nobody does that. No. no, You don't drive around the Upper West Side, pick someone up and go to a movie. It's ridiculous. Like, I don't know why they did that other than, I mean, I know they needed scenery, I guess. You need a setting for the scene. But I always watched that and went, how? I mean, and he's a New York guy and he knows it. So there had to be a reason. But I just never got that. I, so I think that show had some, some product placement, right? Snapple was kind of yes. into, woven of the scripts. Jerry drives a Saab, I think, in most of the episodes or many of the episodes when he's driving. So right. I wonder if there's a, a Saab deal that, that caused that to happen. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know anybody who's from New York who drives anywhere. Anywhere. That, that, doesn't seem normal. I mean, I've been there and I, I have I have no interest in ever driving a car around Manhattan at all. I mean, if you if you leave and go to, you know, somewhere on the weekends, I get it. But the, the idea, remember the episode where they had the fight over the parking space when they were going to watch the fight at Jerry's house? Oh, yeah. The, the number of people that would be driving by honking and like just going berserk if two cars were doing that. Right. It'd be, it'd be crazy. 
I, I, I just, I don't know. It was my only pet peeve about that show. I just couldn't. I, I never got why they did it that way. I wish someone would explain it to me. I bet Larry David could. So, all right. Um, we mentioned fanball earlier. So you've tried daily fantasy sports games and, you know, it's, it's not always easy. Um, you know, sometimes you lose and you lose too much and it's not good. And, you know, you, basically you get in with the sharks and, and you get eaten sometimes. But, but so losing's not fun. But Derek and I are here to tell you about a whole new approach to daily, to daily fantasy sports, the fanball number at fanball.com. And as we mentioned earlier, Derek tried it, he was playing it yesterday and things went pretty well. Yes, it went uh, surprisingly well. I mean, a big field GPPs are tough. You, you need a lot to go right. Um, and I only had a couple things that, that went wrong, fortunately. So I'll be back out there in week three on Fanball. And I want to see how much the, the number changes in one week. Because I, I didn't play several entries. I was more just kind of kicking the tires on it. And this was a free roll and make a little money. You know, give it a shot. It went well. Am I going to go from a 27 to a 45? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be happy to see how much of an increase I can get based on uh, one great week. Yeah. Uh, who is your big player? Uh, CJ Anderson was my leading scorer. Oh. Um, and he was 1% owned in this tournament that had 1,300 people in it. So that was pretty nice. Very nice. We're going to talk about him a little more later. Okay. So uh, Derek talked about the number. The, your fanball number identifies your skill level and it ensures that you play in contests against players at your skill level. So let's say your fanball number is 35. Derek's might be that, but it's going to be higher next week, we think. We don't know how much, as he said. You're not going to be playing against experts rated in the 80s and 90s. They'll have their own contests. At fanball.com, every player has a fanball number and every contest has a fanball number. So you can find a contest rated around that 35 that I mentioned, knowing that it will have players just like you. They've leveled the playing field with the fanball number at fanball.com. Have more fun and a better chance to win. Try to play against Derek next week i'm gonna hop into uh, and see how i do there with i mean you got me a free roll really That's yeah there's game. there's uh there's two more free rolls up for for next week already there's uh the cdm sports football challenge and the nffc primetime challenge so start start there if, uh, free you can't really beat free and then you know look at look at your lineup and decide if you want to play some some 50 50s or some tournaments too and and for the sake of fan while continuing to sponsor this podcast don't just play free rolls everybody Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. Don't don't just I mean, play free rolls really. and leave. I mean, if you just want to <laughs> try it out for a week, then start with a free roll. But don't don't free roll every single week and, and never pay. That's that's a bad bad exactly. choice. Bad luck, and it would reflect badly on us. I'm sure. So check out fanball.com. Well, let us know what your fanball number is. Yeah, that's the same thing as going into a bookstore like once a week, reading a magazine or a book, and never buying one. The bookstore is not going to be there forever if you if you go that route. Like right. you, you do need to engage the company like you can't just show up and and, and oh, i'm gonna bring my own coffee in and i'm not even gonna buy a coffee here i'm just gonna sit here and read these magazines all right next person i want to talk we're gonna talk eagles chiefs next it, carson wentz look they lost and you know he wasn't perfect but you know another 55 yards rushing through a couple of touchdowns is he he probably got drafted as the let's say 15th, 16th, 17th. I don't have ADPs in front of me. He's somewhere around there. Is he a top 12? Yeah, I, I think I threw that out there. I was doing a video segment with Stadium, formerly known as 120 Sports, last week. And they said, what was your, you know, I think it was other than Kareem Hunt, because that happened last Thursday or week one Thursday. What was your biggest observation? Whose value shifted the most in week one? I kind of surprised him. I was like, Carson Wentz. Like, yeah. I was watching the game. I, I saw some of the things he was doing. You know, the arm strength, the ability to move the pocket, the accuracy. He's still inconsistent at times, 
but he's in a good spot. They added a number one receiver in Alshon Jeffrey. You know, Aguilar in week one was heavily involved. I know he scored, but wasn't as involved in week two. Ertz has a really solid tight end. I mean, the line's really good. They're going to figure out running the ball, too, at some point. I, I don't know when, but uh, yeah, I, I think Carson Wentz, there's a case to be made for him as a top 12 fantasy quarterback. Uh, this was a spot, too, where I thought he might scuffle a bit more. I mean, on the road against Kansas City, even without Eric Berry, it's a tough place to play. It's a right. tough assignment. They got a good pass rush, and uh, I, I, if you're an Eagles fan, you're feeling pretty good about your quarterback situation. If you've got Wentz as your QB, two and you know Russell Wilson or Cam is underperforming, you're going to have some spots where I think you're comfortable playing Wentz over those guys. Yep. Um, all right. I want to go to New England, New Orleans. Now, it's the Saints, as we mentioned earlier, right? It's the Saints. So they're, you, you can't over overanalyze anything. Chris Hogan, five for 78 and a touchdown, six targets. They spread it around yesterday. Gronk, nine targets. James White, eight. Um, did Hogan get... What's the level of convincing that Hogan did for you yesterday? Um, you know, I think when we talked about it on Friday, my my position was this would be a great time coming out of this game to consider flipping Chris Hogan because it might be relative to what he does week by week going forward. This could be a spike in value that you may never see again from him, at least as far as getting people that like him because of the Edelman injury. Cook's not playing overwhelmingly well in the first two games like the the setup is really good to deal Chris Hogan away right now I mean everyone's going to throw on the Saints we saw that in week one with Minnesota we saw it last week Brady had 300 yards at halftime in this game Uh, he's he's got a little knee injury right now he downplayed that after the game so hopefully that's nothing too serious but uh, 65 of 76 snaps again I mean Hogan's out there a lot and I don't know if the crazy good per target numbers are at all reflective of what he's going to do this year. I mean, he had 11.7 yards per target last season. That seems ridiculously unsustainable, not just a little, like he's not going to fall from 11.7 to 10. I think he's more of like an eight, eight and a half kind of guy. Right. And if he's not getting overwhelming volume, I think he's going to disappoint people a lot. Cause look, I, I was the guy that was out there saying, Brandon Cook's ceiling now is Antonio Brown from 2014. Right. And two weeks in, I look like a complete idiot. But the, the reason that's not working out is because the Patriots spread the ball around so effectively. And I'm not convinced that if, if they're not going to force feed Brandon Cooks, they're not going to force feed Chris Hogan. Like, right. I, I'd be really surprised that they did that. Okay. Um. Otherwise, in that game, I'm trying. There's, there's not much else going on here. Um, let's go to Titans. This is an interesting one. Titans, Jags. Titans smoke these guys. I mean, the Jags were looking frisky last week, and I still like them this year to be better. But, um, man, the Titans really, they, they answered. We, I think we talked last week about how they, they, they had an interesting spot because after being such a trendy team, they, they, they were staring 0-2 in the face because they didn't have the easiest matchup on the road, and they just went in and they took care of business with the Jags. I mean, re- they smoked them. Um, most interesting fantasy part of that, DeMarco Murray, Derrick Henry. Now, DeMarco Murray had a hamstring issue that limited him in the second half, but Derrick Henry looked awfully good, awfully good, to a point where they're not, they, he can't just be the sidekick, you would think, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it can be, it can be Freeman Coleman. That, that's, that's where the, the ADPs were, too. 
I mean, right. it was like Freeman was a little earlier than Murray in most leagues. Coleman and Henry were pretty close and Henry was even going a little earlier than Coleman in a few spots because, you know, with Murray going a tick later, you'd think there was a chance, a better chance that Henry could take over the backfield entirely. I, I think this is a team that at their best, they have a balance like they did yesterday. And that's not because Marcus Mariota can't be, you know, a guy that has success throwing it 35 or 40 times, but they're a better running team than they are a passing team. Even with the the bumps they've had uh, in that receiving core, the upgrades to Eric Decker and you know, Corey Davis got dinged up in this one too. Mm-hmm. So that was a kind of a disappointing follow up to what looked like a really nice week one. Like I had low expectations for Davis in week one. He exceeded them. I raised the expectations in week two and he gets hurt and underperforms. So that was kind of a frustrating turn. Yeah, they, they've got balance. They've got a lot of things they can do well, but this this could be a team that runs DeMarco Murray 18 or 20 times a game and then runs Henry 12 to 14 times per game. And then Mariota throws it 30 or less. I mean, this this box score that we're seeing this morning, this is probably what you're going to see a lot yeah. in Tennessee. Right. Um, and the receivers, you know, we, we didn't get enough out of the receivers yesterday to tell us because they were winning so big. You said, I mean, Mariota threw 27 times. So, I, I mean, you're right. We could get used to seeing that, which if they spread the ball around is not great for fantasy stuff. Um, well, it, they've got Seattle at home next week and then Houston on the road in week four. So a couple tough defenses that will uh, create some interesting challenges for them. But Seattle, I don't know. I mean, we'll talk about them in a little bit. I, I'm, I'm puzzled by what, what they did in week two. Right. Um, same. Because I thought that was going to be the, the, the breakout, and it certainly wasn't. Um, Viking Steelers. So Sam Bradford didn't play. And after the game, I think, to, I'm going to paraphrase Mike Zimmer, he, he said, oh, Sam Bradford, Sam's fine. I mean, he might be out another week. He might be out six weeks, but he's fine. I'm like, okay, thanks, coach. That's great. That's a big help. Um, <laughs> what do you do? What do you tell the Diggs and Thielen owners? Well, uh, you have to bench him most likely as long as Case Keenum is starting. I mean, I, I, the Steelers are a better defense now than they have been in the last couple of years. But I don't see a backup quarterback. I don't really see any backup quarterback sustaining the two top 25 receivers. That doesn't seem that doesn't seem good at all. What they should do is make us appreciate Sam Bradford a bit more. Uh Another factor, too, I mean, they carved up the Saints in week one. Right. And I'm I'm disappointed because I wanted to see just how legit the Vikings offense was. And now we don't know. And with Mike Zimmer, didn't Mike Zimmer almost lose an eye? And he downplayed that. Yeah. Uh, two years ago, I think it was now. I mean, he's he's definitely on the, the side of the coach providing information spectrum that offers up the bare minimum and often will make you confused by how little he seems to think a, a problem actually is. All right. Yeah, that, that was a uh, that's brutal. I, I hope we get some clarity soon on this. Um, otherwise, yeah, Thielen caught, I mean, five for 44. I mean, I guess out of the slot, he can he can at least catch some passes, even if it's not, you know, it might be dink and dunk kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, I just um, not feeling great. I mean, it hurts Delvin Cook, too, because. If you're going three and out, you're not sustaining drives. Eventually, you're falling behind. Maybe he'll catch passes. He caught two yesterday and do anything yardage wise with that. But 
that that could lead to more McKinnon than you want on the field too. So it's it's bad. It's just bad for all those guys. And, and I think Cook, Cook, Diggs, and Thielen are one of the more underrated skill position trios in the league right now. And if all it takes for them to be like pretty good fantasy players is keeping Sam Bradford healthy. It's a shame the Vikings have been already dealing with an injury for him. Right. Um, by the way, everybody, uh, for Le'Veon Bell, who wants to get paid like he plays two positions, seven catches for 19 yards is no way to, to get yourself a big wide receiver version of that contract. I just want you to know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not, that's four, not four for four. four. Four catches for four yards. Yeah. I mean, teams are, are probably game planning in a way, too, where they're, they're trying to take away at least – some aspect of what Le'Veon Bell can do. We saw the Browns do a good job last week of really just stuffing the run. Martavis Bryant, you know what? what I think I'm only going to use Martavis Bryant when the Steelers are at home. <laughs> it's not because of him. It's because of Roethlisberger. Right. Yeah. yeah four targets, three for 91 TD. Uh, that touchdown kind of was, a, was nice to watch, too. That was, a, that, was a, that was a play. That was his play, not Roethlisberger's play. Yeah. I mean, he's he's really talented. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster kind of vultured one from Antonio Brown, I think we could say. I mean, Brown still had 11 targets, but 5 for 62. Probably the quietest game we'll see from Antonio Brown all mm-hmm. season, or one of the quietest games. So, yeah, I mean, like the Steelers didn't have to be great because the Vikings just couldn't really do anything offensively. They ran it well until they couldn't run because they were behind too much. Right. Um, all right. Everybody, football seasons, we're two weeks in, but it's not too late to get closer to the game you love with DraftKings One Week Fantasy Football. This Sunday, DraftKings is hosting a $100,000 pick'em contest that's totally free to enter. I actually did that yesterday, and I enjoyed it. I won a little. Um, it was good. It, it was good. The pick'em thing is you have tiers, and you have eight players in each tier, and you pick one from every. Basically, you say, tier one, who do you want? Then tier two, who do you want? And, and it went pretty well. I liked it. It helped me. It was mostly good players, too, so you're not saying, oh, I got to... I got to play Gerald Everett at tight end because I can't afford anybody else because of everything I spent. It doesn't work that way. So pretty cool. Um, no offense, Gerald Everett got, what, 91 yards, I think? Yeah, actually, yeah, pretty good game. <laughs> right. So sorry, Gerald Everett. I shouldn't have picked on you. Pick'em is the newest way to play one-week fantasy football and drafting your teams faster than ever. DraftKings has organized players into eight tiers. All you have to do is pick one player from each tier. Choose between public contests with big cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against a group of your friends. DraftKings also has beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of similar skill level. And the best part is you get to draft a new team each week without any commitment. So get to DraftKings.com now and use promo code WIRE to play in DraftKings free contests with $100,000 in total prizes this Sunday. That's promo code WIRE to compete for your share of $100,000 in total prizes. Contest totally free to enter. Why wouldn't you try DraftKings? The game inside the game. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Um, Dolphins Chargers. Oh, Chargers. Ugh. They just, those guys can't get a break. They can't get a break. It, it always looks like it's going to work out and it just doesn't work out. Terrible. Yeah. yeah. You know, I saw it was recently in an antique store because I, I lead a very strange life. <laughs> And inside one of the glass cases, there was the old uh, tabletop football game where you have the plastic kicker. And yes. when you slap the helmet, when you concuss him, you slap him on the head, his foot like kicks out and he kicks that. a little. Yeah, like the light, the really light plastic football. And you can put little uprights up on the on the table. And I thought, man, if, if the Chargers just had something like that or Anthony Lynn could just do it himself, like they they probably <laughs> they would have went to overtime with the Broncos, right? And then they would have uh, would have won yesterday against the Dolphins. So 
Yeah, you feel you feel bad. I feel bad for kickers when they when they let a team down. I mean, right. like it's one thing to have a kick blocked; it's another to shank it. And yesterday, it was it was the latter. Um, so let's see. Melvin Gordon uh, saved you with a touchdown because he was nine for thirteen on the ground. All right, Jarvis Landry. So the narrative when Jay Cutler came in was that Jarvis Landry. I mean, la- la- late last year he was catching fewer passes. And when Cutler came in, it was, oh, Cutler's going to, you know, throw on the perimeter and yay Devontae Parker. And, oh, man, Jarvis Landry, this is not going to work anymore. <laughs> Jarvis Landry, 13 catches for 78 yards on 15 targets. I think it's safe to say if you own Jarvis Landry in PPR, you're probably going to be okay, right? Yeah, most likely. I think the only, only concern you have for, for Jarvis Landry, wasn't there the possibility of a suspension? hanging over his head like I thought that was something that was going on back during the, the preseason yeah end of August right he was still under investigation for an offseason accusation of battery and for now you know no real updates there I guess the league still got its hands full with Zeke <laughs> but that's kind of looming in the background potentially with, with Jarvis Landry and maybe it's 2018 before that's even really kind of brought to light and, and put on the table but nevertheless uh, I think with the Dolphins offense right now can sustain at least two pass catchers per week and probably more. Yep. They're a good balanced offense. They run it well. Jay's got a strong arm. You know, Landry and Parker complement each other pretty well. And Kenny Stills as, as a downfield guy is great. He could, he could stretch the field really well. So they've got those three guys plus Julius Thomas. I mean, this is, this is one of the better setups we've seen for Jay in a long time. And I look at Parker as a guy that while, you know, he, that that's the guy that, that Cutler was, was praising back in the preseason, saying he was like a souped up Elshon Jeffrey, I think is what he called him. Right. But those some of those teams that Jay played on had Brandon Marshall too. So the possession receiver, the short and intermediate route guys, those guys can be like really volume driven and productive, and that's what I expect from Landry most weeks. All right, Chargers side, um Hunter Henry bounced back, which was nice, didn't catch the touch. Gates stole the touchdown from him, as we knew would happen all the time. Hunter Henry seven for eighty. Um and and folks, like Keenan Allen might break at some point again. Philip Rivers loves that guy. He just he, I think Philip Rivers if if you got Gates out of the way, I think Philip Rivers would throw to Keenan Allen pretty much every play if you let him. Yeah, it it would look like the Landry volume on the other side of this game, I think. And you know, Tyrell Williams is a good player. I'm surprised they didn't throw to him more. I don't know if there was a, a matchup that they didn't like that he had or, or what it was. Uh, I'm curious to see now that Antonio Gates set the record for most tight ends or touchdowns by a tight end. If they're going to kind of pivot away from him and, and give Henry more snaps and more targets. It looked like they were trying to get him more involved after his donut in week one, mm-hmm. which is certainly encouraging. Because if you drafted him, you thought Hunter Henry was just good enough to where you wouldn't have to mix and match. And after that first game, I, I had him in one league and I was already doubting. Him. I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be a nightmare week in and week out. And maybe it still will be. But I'm probably looking at him now and saying, all right, I'm going to give him probably two more just just, just straight up opportunities where I'm not going to sweat it. Right. And if he disappears twice, gets the Chiefs and Eagles at home at that point, then I will begin to panic about Hunter Henry. Yeah. But yesterday was a good sign. I mean, you know, seven for 80 is fine. We were, we're good, I think. I mean, oh, yeah. I, you got to be happy with seven for 80 for yeah. tight end. Um, Jets Raiders. I mean, we knew this was going to be a blowout. Uh, Michael Crabtree was the thrice guy. 
Yeah, the there it is. That yep. that's the thrice guy. <laughs> I didn't realize he had three though. I thought he, I thought he had two. Three. Six six for eighty on six targets with three touchdowns. That's some that's some bang for your volume buck right there. <laughs> Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Second rounder Amari Cooper, four for thirty three, five targets. I mean, it's a, it's the downside of a lopsided matchup. You, you know, you can but with 45 points on the board, you just hope that one of those TDs goes to Amari Cooper. Right. Which, nope, no dice. Um, let's see. Lynch was good. Lynch making me look stupid still, which is nice. I mean, 12 for 45 of the touchdown. I think it, it, the, the book on Lynch was he's, he, is, he is going to be in a, in a touchdown-friendly situation on this team. And he, he is. I mean, he might not be perfect. But he's going to, I mean, this team's going to score a lot and he's going to run in the touchdowns when they do it. So good, good for you if you own Marshawn Lynch. I still don't know how long it's going to last, but we'll see. He's, he's been fine so far. Last week he was really good. Yesterday, I, I can't say I saw a lot of the game. I mean, you know, the numbers say, eh, whatever. But um, so the Jets, you're not getting too excited about your main curse going four for 64 with two scores, right? No, not really. Uh, I mean, it's only five targets, so that's that's a problem. Bilal Powell didn't do much. I mean, oh, that's a killer. Yeah, well, that one, though, I mean, there there are clear warning signs with the Jets that I know everyone and everything would be bad more often than not. And mm. the only path to Bilal Powell, like being interesting every week is Matt Forte not being in the backfield. Like, that's it. Like, Forte has to be a non-factor if Bilal Powell is going to be a guy you feel good about. We thought they were going to phase out Forte, and I think we ju- – I, I, I know I jumped the gun on that. I almost ignored Matt Forte, and looking back, that was kind of stupid. Hmm. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, I, but a week from now, if, if Bilal Powell gets 15 carries and scores twice and catches a bunch of passes, it'll people will love him again. Yeah. Um, with the receivers, it was weird. I mean, you don't want to count on anyone too much on an offense like that, but you know, the last man standing idea, we thought it might be Robbie Anderson and curse. The thing is, the thing is, it looks like McCown is spreading the ball around, which on an offense like that is a very bad thing. If you're trying mm-hmm. to pick anybody real bad. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, next game up, we are going to talk about, Oh, nine or Seahawks. Do we have to, I mean, we should though. I mean, like Russell Wilson, he can only do so much, right? Again, if the offensive line is is bad and he's constantly on the move, that is a problem. I think the good news for Seattle is they seem to have a running back in Chris Carson. You know, Rawls didn't do much. He, he, he didn't fumble in this game. I don't know why I thought he fumbled. I don't know where I saw that, but he didn't fumble. Chris Carson was 20 carries, 93 yards mm-hmm. behind that offensive line. That's his job. And Eddie, Eddie Lacy, as feared in week one, appears to be completely done. Done. Yes. So, um, but yeah, Chris Carson. I mean, l- last week, I think we thought, well, when Rawls gets back, this is, you know, that's going to be, you know, they, they kind of want him to take over. We thought, well, but some people, it's funny. I think it was one of the, whatever the SB Nation site is. Is it Field Gulls or 12 Acre Fortress? I forget what, it, is that? I, I, for, I forget who the Seahawks site is, but they were kind of, basically wrote last week, would they just let Chris Carson have the job already? Because he should. And it looks like they're right. Request granted. I mean, yeah. 100 yards from scrimmage. And uh, he's, yeah, he looks great. What are you doing right now if you're Jimmy Graham owner? I Oof. mean, like, how, how are you feeling about him? Like, are you, are you going through 
some of the things that Hunter Henry owners were experiencing in, in week one and starting to think about whether or not you actually want him in your lineup next week. I mean, it's all going to come down to who's your alternative, but wow. Like I have been surprised at how quiet Jimmy Graham has been through two weeks. Me too, because their line wasn't good last year either. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was good. So yeah, this is, I don't know. I don't know what you do. I mean, you know, you're not two weeks. You're not, th- th- here's the problem. I sit here and I say things like two weeks, you're not going to cut bait. Right. But you can't wait too much in fantasy football. Baseball's different. You and I both are heavy fantasy baseball players. And baseball, you're going to like, the, the water's going to reach its level here. You, I mean, your leash on Jimmy Graham can't be long. No, but, but think about it this way. This is what I would like to do. When something's going wrong with a player, I kind of look back and say, has this gone wrong this way before? The first two weeks of last year, almost the exact same thing happened to Seattle's offense, by the way. Mm-hmm. They won one game 12-10. to 10 against uh, the Dolphins at home. Dolphins, I think, were okay, not great. They're better than the Niners are now. But that was week one. That was a game where Jay Ajayi got left at home. And then <laughs> right. they went to the, they lost to the Rams in week two last year. And in those two games, Jimmy Graham had to combine five targets. So he was more productive than he's been in the first two games this year. He caught four passes for 53 yards. He was disappointing to start last year, too. That in and of itself doesn't really mean anything. But it took their offense a couple games to get going last year. And I wonder if now that they've figured out who their running back is with Carson, if we're going to start to see a little more consistency. And, and once they started feeding more targets to Graham last year, he went on a nice little run in late September, early October and didn't really look back. I mean, there's still, there were a couple duds late in the year. Uh, there was the second, uh, the December game against the Packers where he only had one catch for 16 yards there was the second meeting against the Rams where he had one for 31 and those were around the fantasy playoffs. So even though he'll get you to the point of, of you know, top six tight end, probably by the end of the season, it, it's the nature of the position. I think where we, we underestimate sometimes that guys can just disappear from that spot. So you, so you're hanging in. Okay. Um, I have to. I have to. I have to because I believe in the talent. And I think the point you make about their offensive line being bad last year, it's there. Like he, he he's not there just to block. They know they know what he can do for that offense. And after two games where they scored a combined, let's say nine last week and uh, just a crappy 12 this week, and they scored 21 points in two games like they're they're going to be making adjustments. Right. Um. Yeah, I, I guess. Like I said, one, one more bad week, and I'm revisiting this completely. Good thing is you can find tight ends, like Jack Doyle, like we talked about. So, um, all right, Cowboys-Broncos. My goodness, what a what a butt-kicking this was. Did Just, you expect that at all? Like, I mean, this game was a pick em. Like, yeah. I, 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 had no, I had no thought that either team could blow out the other. I didn't think the Broncos were offensively capable of blowing anybody out, even a team as weak as the Cowboys on defense. I think the, based on one of the conversations we had last week about was was Dallas's defense last week a a product of the Giants' offensive debacle? I think the answers are pretty clear. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, it, this this doesn't bode well for the Giants. No, <laughs> not at all. I mean, sure Beckham, you know, coming back is going to make a difference, but they made Dallas's defense look like a top ten defense last week, and mm-hmm. I think we we kind of learned a lot about what the Dallas defense actually is 
seeing what Denver did. I mean, they ran it well. Emmanuel Sanders' second touchdown, just crazy. Just the route just made his DB look silly. I mm-hmm. mean, there's some see, like, everything was firing for for the Broncos in this one. Right. Um, yeah, and I mean, but that's a team like you said. Their line's a little shaky. Their tackles were shaking. They lost one yesterday, and they still just crushed these guys. Um, we guy we mentioned earlier, C.J. Anderson. That this he's back. He's and and there's enough to go around where Jamal Charles actually gets enough. I mean, the second week in a row, he's, he was he had, he had ten carries last week, nine yesterday. But C.J. Anderson looks terrific, just terrific. Yeah, that's that's one of those players where I think he's going like fourth round of a yeah. lot of drafts. He'd probably jump up probably ahead of DeMarco Murray. Like wherever DeMarco Murray went in your draft, someone would take C.J. Anderson in that spot instead right now. I agree. Knowing, knowing we know after these first couple of weeks and seeing how it's played out. Uh, Jamal Charles, I think, is, is doing enough with his touches to where I would actually hold on to him as a, a high upside bench guy where if Anderson breaks – Right. Charles is going to be in the Anderson role or something very close to it. And the per carry efficiency of Charles, his ability as a pass catcher, I'm comfortable with that for, for a, a stash on my bench. If I got five bench spots in a 12 team league, Charles is just good enough to get one of those five spots right now. Yep. Uh, the other thing about the Broncos, I think after last week, things went back as uh, what Benny Fowler messed us up. But the the so-called, I guess, the, the, the skinny route tree, you know, they, basically the thing is, even though they're not a high-volume passing team and not an aerial show, they only throw to two guys. Yesterday, that that basically bore itself out again. So It, it could, did. It did. They threw one to Fowler in the end zone, yeah. and he got concussed. Like, he almost made a great catch, um, but then he, he got up and like fell down basically twice. Like, it, it, it looked pretty bad uh, after that play. So... That happened, I want to say, like, second quarter. Everything in my mind with that game is all screwed up because of the delay for the yeah. weather. Like, what was I eating at the time? Because I, that's, how I, that's how I tell time on an NFL Sunday. Like, what portion <laughs> of my day was I on the appetizers? Was I on the chili? Where was I? Oh, okay, it must have been the second quarter of the game at that time. I think, I think it was still first half. And, uh, you know, he left early enough to where you're kind of like, was he going to get more targets? Right. Like, he, he, it's not... It's not going to happen now for for me, like for Cody Latimer or anything like that. Uh, but Virgil Green stole one, too. So if you're a Demarius Thomas owner, you're just like, what what does Demarius Thomas have to do to get in on this? But Demarius, uh, he and Sanders, eight targets, no one else more than three. So and they both had six catches. I mean, if you own those guys, even though if you own Thomas, you're frustrated about the touchdowns. But you're going, all right, yesterday's nuts. I can live with this. And it's fine. And, and it, it bodes well for for future weeks, I guess. And you didn't invest a ton in him this year either. No, no. But, but the AFC West looks as good as advertised. I mean, if the Chargers had a kicker, oh. I mean, but they, then they can probably find one on the fly. They, the Chiefs look great. The Broncos look great. The Chargers look strong. And the Raiders look real good, too. That, that division is going to be a battle all year. Mm-hmm. Um, Redskins Rams is where we're going to go next. By the way, I want to ask you, you just mentioned, is, is it like a big feast at your house on football Sundays? It's actually a bigger feast if I'm at my in-laws' house, nice. and uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm one of the people that maybe won the the in-law lottery. Where uh, <laughs> my mother-in-law is from an Italian family that will make you eat even when you're not hungry, right. and the food is always delicious. So, like she she likes football, but she would rather feed everybody in the house all day than just camp out and watch the games. So I I eat very well if I'm there. Uh, I'm more of a 
throw one thing in the crock pot in the morning on, on football Sunday. And then by Sunday night game, I've got chili or something good to eat. Like that's, that's more my speed. I mean, do you go with a big spread for game day? No, we kind of say, I mean, it depends on if we have people over. Usually it's just, I mean, my wife and I have instilled in our kids since they were three, you know, that Sunday afternoon, they want to go out and play. And we say, no, it's football. It's football day. So that's what we're doing. But nachos, maybe that's it. Yesterday I actually made meatballs because I'm also, my, I come from an Italian family. So, um, yeah, I did, uh, I did spaghetti and meatballs for the late game. So I stand there in the kitchen. I mean, a good, I have kind of a, a good view of the TV from the kitchen. So I'm good. Yeah. The red, red zone's really helpful by yeah. the way, for, for being able to follow everything because if, if you just had Sunday ticket and you had to flip from game to game, you are not finding a way to multitask like that. That is the multitasking is like going from game to game, just figuring out where, which channel you actually want to watch and having the laptop going like the, the red zone like and the open floor plan in conjunction with each other, allow you to lead some semblance of a normal life for brief periods on Sunday, which is amazing. Right. It, it does. It's great. Um, so yeah. And red zone thing is I Sunday ticket. I think I've told you before, my wife works for a cable company, so there's no Sunday ticket here. But I don't know that, unless it was watching, let's say, one specific game I wanted, Sunday ticket lets me watch, would let me watch a different game, but it still wouldn't give me a flavor of the whole slate, which is why I don't mind Red Zone. No, man, so. it's Red Zone all day unless you live out of market for your yeah. favorite team, and I, will, I, just, I, I, can't, I can't be convinced otherwise. Right. Um, all right. And I love by the cable version. I love Scott Hansen. He's, no, he's great. He's great. Yeah, he's really good. Um, and he doesn't apparently doesn't leave to uh, relieve himself for the entire seven hours that he's there, which I find that, fascinating. That's that's weird. I mean, there's got to be some kind of system to work around that. But um, I don't know. Man, that's, that's from the too much information folder. <laughs> All right. Redskins Rams. Um I think you and I talked about this, and I think we might have had this right, that this was an overreaction to both week ones um, because the Rams are favored by, I think, four and a half or so. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Uh, if you own Terrell Pryor, what are you thinking right now? Well, Jordan Reed got hurt again, so targets should be there. And, you know, he was on a bad team last year, so people are going to say, is he good? And I think he is when you watch him, he's big, he's fast and uh, he's got pretty good hands. So I just, I I don't know the Kirk cousins. It's a new offense, right? Like Sean McVay is on the other sideline in this one coaching the Rams. I know Jay Gruden's an offensive coach. So maybe there's some issues with that. Uh, They run it pretty well. Rob Kelly looked good before he got hurt too, which is unfortunate for him. Right. And then Chris Thompson scores twice, catches some passes, but only gets three carries. Samaji P. Ryan got 21 carries. So if you're mm-hmm. a P. Ryan owner, you're, you're feeling pretty good about that volume. I'm looking at this team and I'm still not sure I can definitively say that I'm, I'm like writing off Terrell Pryor or that they even know what they're going to do in their own backfield week to week right now. Right. I mean, like, that's they're They're a strange team to figure out. They are. And, and cousins, I, I was a big cousins investor and I'm not, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little nervous at the moment. Just because I don't know, I mean, maybe the chemistry issues are real with the receivers. With it definitely, it, yeah, it definitely could be. He's got 15 targets through two games. He's still got a, a team high. He hasn't like right. he's nobody else is getting more targets than Terrell Pryor right now. 
and he's already got two catches of 20 or more yards. All right. I don't know. It's, it seems like a a reasonable buy low target via trade right now. If if someone out there is panicking in your league, I can see that. Um, the other thing on the other side, you and I talked about Gurley on Friday of how long our leash was with Gurley, not to, you know, cut him or anything, but what after week one, we we said, you know, are we still ner- are we getting nervous about Todd Gurley? Are, we, are, are our fears being realized? Yesterday, you and Gurley, you feel a lot better about what you saw. Yeah, I mean, he's out there hurdling defenders, yeah. catching passes, getting over five yards per carry, uh, really checking all the boxes. The only, I guess, yellow caution light you might see is two fumbles and he lost one of them. Right. But still, the, the workload distribution, they didn't hand the ball off to any other running back. Like they Tavon Austin had a couple design runs and you know, Goff registered what they're calling three carries. <laughs> uh, I don't think they, by proper definition, were actual carries, no. but they were rushing attempts nonetheless. But Gurley has just complete control of the backfield the same way that you know, Jay Ajayi has that in Miami. Melvin Gordon mostly has that for the Chargers, too. And I think I saw enough from Gurley yesterday where I'm, I'm really not going to sweat it. It would take a run of three or four games in a row where he looks like he did efficiency wise in week one before I before I start to think ah, maybe something is wrong with this guy. He, he looked really good. Yeah. And he's going to catch, I mean, 40, 50 passes, it looks like, which is nice. Because um, he caught what, five last week? And yeah, he, he was involved. Three yeah. yesterday. So, yeah, that that's that's nice to see. Um, and we talked about Gerald Everett, by the way. If you're looking for, a, I mean, it might be a two tight end league type of guy right now, but. Gerald Everett, a little sneaky, I think. There's, you know, he he could he's not going to completely disprove the rookie tight end jinx thing, but it's not bad through through a couple of weeks because he had a big catch last week too. So yeah, I think they they I don't want to say they need someone to get hurt. I think what they have right now is they have too many weapons and not enough quality at quarterback for me to want to rely on second and third options. You know, like Watkins two for 30 on two targets. That's disappointing. Uh, Even Cooper Cup, three for 33, six targets. He had a team high six targets on a day where the Rams threw it 25 times. So the takeaway for me with Cooper Cup is that Jared Goff is looking for him all the time. And I'm almost worried, like how much he's looking towards Cooper Cup compared to how much he's looking at Sammy Watkins. If you have a healthy Sammy Watkins, I don't care what you think of Cooper Cup, how good you think he is. You can't tell me that Sammy Watkins isn't a more dynamic player than Cooper Cup. Right. I agree totally. But we in preseason, we kind of got the hint that he was going to look for Cup a lot. And I just want to yeah. note to everybody that Derek just used the Los Angeles Rams and too many weapons in the same sentence. Yeah. I mean, it's relative to the quality of their quarterback. They have they have too many weapons that we like <laughs> to to use them all right now. <laughs> too Maybe. many weapons. Like I, it, look, we're used to the Rams rolling out there with nothing. Yeah. Um, all right. Last game, the night game. Uh, Falcons-Packers was not close. Um, who do we want? Ty Montgomery. Man, if you picked him, you where do you draft him if you redraft? Now, I actually saw a conversation last night on Twitter. I think it was Mark Stopa and Pianowski and a couple other people. About and I, I think he said Ty Montgomery is a top five pick if you're redrafting today. Do you agree with that? No, not at all. Like, I, I don't. I don't see it that way. I mean, I think 
The best thing about Ty Montgomery to this point is how little they've used Jamal Williams and the other running backs. And I, I would agree that the stock is up. You'd, you'd pay more for Montgomery now than you did two weeks ago. The biggest concern I have for Ty Montgomery is the durability over the course of the season. How is he going to withstand a heavy workload as the weeks pile up? You know, it's a new position for him as of last season. That's going to be an issue. He's, he's bulky. He's a solid guy. Like I, I think physically he's built for it. He just had injury issues going back to his time at Stanford that are deep enough to where I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical. Uh, I liked him where he was going a fair amount. I think the, the pass catching role last night ticked up even more than it normally would because Jordy Nelson left this game so early. Uh, and because you had to dump the ball off a lot to deal with the extra pressure the Falcons were getting because the Packers played this game with two backup tackles. Yeah. Like, basically, like take, take the two starting tackles away from any offense and see how they look. And Well, the Giants would be better. The Gi- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, it, even that. It, 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 the starters are bad, and the backups are going to be worse, unless Ben McAdoo can't evaluate the offensive line position, right. which I guess we can't rule that out. But, anyway, but uh, jokes aside, yeah, yeah. You, you look at this team. You look at this Packers. I mean, everyone's going to want shares of every. Why didn't people want more shares when the price was only a fourth round pick on Ty Montgomery? That, that's what I was kind of curious about. I'm not the guy that says, "Hey, we got to we got to push him way up right now." Values up for sure, a round, half round at least, but probably a full round. But why didn't people like him more in the preseason? What was what was the holdup for people? Because you didn't think you didn't know if they were going to use him enough, and you didn't know if they were going to commit to him as the lead back, workload wise. I, I guess. I mean, I I, th- I saw it more as a, hey, it could be a 12 to 15 carries per game kind of thing. And because of the number of pass catchers they have, I didn't I don't expect him to have a lot of games where he goes six for 75 as a pass catcher. If that entire group stays healthy, if Nelson Adams, Cobb and Bennett are all healthy, that makes Ty Montgomery the fifth receiver. So for him to get six for 75, even one more time this year might be a stretch if everyone's healthy. Of course, as they start losing players, as teams often do, sure, that changes things quite a bit. So I, I looked at Montgomery as an RB2 type who was ma- basically an RB2 because he wouldn't get the carries of an RB1, but he could offset a lot of that lack of volume just by scoring a lot because then a team that scores a lot. Right. You know, like it might be 180 carries and 40 to 50 catches, but a surprisingly high touchdown count that would make him a steady RB two type. Yeah. No, I don't know. I, I, I think he's an, I, I think he's an RB one. I don't know that he's a top five pick, but I think he's a borderline first round pick at this point. If I redraft. That's interesting. I mean, that's uh, I mean, there's a few guys that are going to fall. AJ green's falling out of the first round, not right. by a lot, but Jordan Howard, 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 at least I think was, was starting to fall more like mid round two by yeah. the end of draft season anyway. But yeah, I think people that I think the, the Murray line and the, and the Jordan Howard line, those two guys in particular at the running back position would be the two that fall. And then the guys like CJ Anderson, and Ty Montgomery would go up. And if some people are pushing them into the first round, you know, good for them. I, I, I think, I think that might be a little bit too aggressive. I like Ty Montgomery. And I think that might be too aggressive. All right. The other guy I want to mention from this game, I mean, it's hard to judge the Packers pass catches. Like for instance, Bennett got a ton of targets, but I don't think he caught a pass till the second half when they were losing 31 to seven. So yeah, he had a lot of drops. Yeah. Um, the, the guy we talked about on Friday, if you are looking for a, a PPR reasonable floor receiver, Mohamed Sanu might be a guy you can take a look at. 
I mean, not mm-hmm. great, not spectacular. First two games, he went five for eighty-five last night. He was six for forty-seven in week one. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna get him the ball. I mean, he, he's he looks like he's gonna catch, you know, sixty, seventy passes if he stays on the field, which you can yeah. do worse. And he's free, so not great, but that's okay, right? No, he's a good player. I I wonder kind of with Austin Hooper, two targets in back-to-back games and he had the eighty-eight-yard touchdown in week one. Right, might be a guy that you're cutting. In uh, a lot of leagues, if you've been mixing and matching tight ends and, you know, you're looking at him now, you're saying, hey, I know he scored, but four targets in two games, like that's not the volume we expected for Austin Hooper. Not one bit. Um, Lions, Giants, as we talk, which is 10, 15 a.m. Eastern right now on Monday, Odell Beckham, Schefter says he's up in the air to play, which hopefully you didn't start him. I have someone starting him against me tonight who's losing to me by 17 points and has Beckham in the starting lineup with no alternatives. Mm. So. Well, I'm a little excited about that. You're you're probably sitting pretty in that one, even if he plays. I mean, I, hey, I know. I, I this is this is where it, it just it's really hard to be any kind of analyst for this because you're you're looking at it and you're like, this yeah, injury know. is supposed to take longer. If he plays, I don't know how much he's going to play. I don't know how effective he's going to be, and then I don't know how much playing on it right now is actually going to possibly make the injury worse for him in future weeks. Like it's. It seems like the kind of injury that playing on it too soon is going to make it a lingering problem. And if you're the Giants shutting him down for another week or another two weeks and then bringing him back, maybe it's the more conservative approach, but it seems like the right approach, just given how important Odell Beckham is to that offense. Right. Um, The other thing that I wanted to mention about this, I thought I said apparently, apparently Janoris Jenkins' status is shaky. For the Giants, which could, I mean, right, you look at this game and without Beckham, you think it's going to be a defensive struggle, let's say, or, or an offensive ineptitude versus defensive struggle. Um, I mean, you know, you know, the Lions, if you got anything out of your Lions tonight, it would be a, it would be a win, like a really nice win, right? Because the Giants defense is really good. So, yeah, I want to see how Stafford handles it and and how the line protects him and they right. they they got plenty of options i mean tate jones and galladay are going to present some difficult matchups for a lot of teams you take janoris jenkins away from the giants potentially one of those guys is going to be in a spot to uh, to do some damage it's on big plays i think that's going to be the the key and you know the pass rush for the giants is going to be really important tonight right all right, everybody, listeners to our podcast and get a free 10-day Rotowire trial, rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out, rotowire.com slash pod. Derek, what do we got going on early this week, getting people ready for week three? Well, we got the uh, waiver column that Kevin Payne writes. That goes up pretty early on Tuesdays. Uh, Mario's film review, I think, goes up on Wednesdays, if I'm not mistaken. He watches every snap from every game between the time they end and then the time he writes the column. Uh, and then, of course, midweek, we get uh, Jeff Erickson's rankings. The uh, value meter goes up for week three as well. So really everything you need to get ready starts rolling out here uh, on Tuesday. All right. Um, it sounds good. And uh, and Jake Latarski and I, Tuesday is the waiver wire pod. You're going to want to listen to that because you've got a decent amount of injuries this week. Greg Olson being the biggest one that, that you might need to fill in for. So uh, please listen back on Tuesday. Check that out. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fanball. Again, please rate and review our podcast wherever you're listening. Like I said, we're back on Tuesday with the Waiver Wire Podcast, so check back then. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. See you next time. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.